The commentary and interviews of this podcast are for entertainment, information, and conversation purposes only. The views and opinions expressed during this episode are those of the individual speakers and do not represent the views or opinions of any specific church, denomination, organization, or third-party affiliate. Well, let's let's go ahead and get started. Yeah. Pastor Mar, why don't you kick us off? Okay. Yeah. So um, this is this is cool because usually John, you do the intro to the uh, podcast stuff. I, but I think it'd be great for you to do it since we have a very special person with us today. Okay. Well, hi everybody. Uh, Pastor Kumar here, and I get the privilege of starting off our podcast today because I'm special now. Um, no, actually, it's because uh, we have a, a friend, a guest that I am just. I would not be here alive, let alone in ministry today, if it wasn't for Pastor Mar Fogelman. He's an amazing man of God. Um, it is a pleasure and honor that I even just know him. Um, and we are utilizing the magic of technology today. Sure. So he is still in, right? Are you still in California, Pastor Marv? I am. So we're connecting California and Kentucky right now to do this this podcast. So um, Pastor Marv, can you do me a favor? Can you tell people just a little bit about you um, and, and who you are? Oh, boy. Um, well, first of all, I'm a child of God and been married to my wife, Pat, for be 53 years in September. We have three grown children, six grandchildren, and um, I have spent most of my life as a marriage and family therapist and as a pastor in a local church. And, and that's what I love about him, too. As you guys heard, he starts out with the most important thing, a child of God. No, I think that's amazing. Yeah. Um, so for today, we, we had this idea. We have this long list that uh, Pastor John and I, we've been curating a list of topics. In fact, as we were getting set up technology-wise, John added more topics to our list. I did, yeah. And thank you guys, everybody who's been listening to our podcast. We really do appreciate it. And keep those ideas coming. Uh, Shelby, we heard your idea, and we definitely are going to be figuring out a way to get that out to you in a podcast form because that's what we want to do is a podcast and show. We want to make sure that we are taking care of God's people and training them up in the ways that are biblical and things they're doing like that. But we also want to do it in a fun kind of humorous way where um, we, we show exactly who God is to us and who we are to each other. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. So, Pastor Marv, you were, you were kind enough. Um, I just a little bit more history for everybody, too. I had reached out to him. I had been a horrible um, relationship to him and not reaching out and talking and keeping communication since I left California uh, all those many years ago. Um, but I had had something come up in my personal life. I reached out to him and Pastor Marv, being who he is, he's, of course, always available to help and, and listen to and give biblical guidance to anybody who really just needs that from him. And, and that was wonderful. Um, and that you did. And thank you again, uh, Pastor Marv. It really has made a huge difference for me. Um, but okay. also in talking with that, we, we have this podcast we're doing and, and looking at different topics. And one of them came up that actually, I think, John, you came up with the idea for this. Yeah. And I was like, Pastor Marv would be the perfect guy to talk about this. So go ahead and share the, the topic with everybody. So Pastor Marv, the topic is this, is what can we do as Christians and what can we do as, as a church when pastors sin and need restoration from the body? All right. It's a, it's a, it's a big question, but we really, we've had a lot of, there's been a lot of things in the news. There's been a lot of things on other podcasts. There's been a lot of things out there of the church falling through pastors and churches closing and things like that, because a lot of times they just don't know what to do. Um, so that's where we're, we're kind of at. We want to figure out what can we do as Christians? What can we do as the body of Christ to, to 
show honor, but also help these pastors in these moments? Mm-hmm. Well, initially, the first thing that comes to mind is having an understanding of the challenge of being a pastor. Um, frequently, when you find yourself with the flock of God, you find that people begin to idealize you. They want to um, sort of make you all good and all perfect and look up to you and admire you. And I think that in many ways sets a pastor up for uh, failure and disappointment. The other thing I think that we need to remember is that a pastor becomes the holder of secrets. And so people confide in him. Um, They tell things that, um, you know, they wouldn't tell anyone else. The pastor knows enough secrets that he could blow up the church if he wanted to. And so the pastor has that challenge of having to um, keep things inside and become many times in the process closed emotionally himself because of uh, that commitment to uh, confidentiality. The other thing I thought of was that it's the kind of job where every week you're evaluated Mm -hmm. and you have that pressure to um, make every Sunday better and better. And of course, on Sunday afternoons, instead of having roast beef, they have roast preacher and evaluate how you're doing. Um, how the message was, how you balance being a preacher, a pastor, and a planner. So I think, first of all, the thing I think would be important is understanding the fact that being a pastor in lots of ways is an impossible task and could only really be done effectively through uh, a close relationship with Christ and letting him do in you what you could never do in yourself. Mm-hmm. So initially, yeah. that's what I think of. So I would begin with understanding. Yeah. You see why he's so awesome? He's pretty awesome. That was good. <laughs> so tell me where you want to go from here. Well, So I wanted to step in for a second because um, as you were saying that, and I promise anybody who's listening and doesn't know Pastor Mar personally that I'm not like trying to paint him in some perfect light. Sure. Um, these are just all true stories. Um, and he's just that awesome. Um, but I'm remembering back a, a time. So um, Pastor Mar, I met him in the church I grew up in um, in Southern California. It's a, traditionally it's a black Baptist church. Um, and for anybody who doesn't know Pastor Mar, he's not black. He's, he's actually white. Um, and he was he was still a, a minister there at the church, and he was uh, this faithful presence year in, year out. Um, and there came a time when the pastor group under Pastor Mac, uh, he passed away. And as I recall, correct me if I'm wrong, Pastor Mar, but Pastor Mac asked you to, to take over as the interim pastor when he passed away, correct? Yeah, so so he stepped in, and it was a huge upheaval in the church because sure. you had this white guy leading a black church. All kinds of things ensued. Um, but eventually we get to this point 
where it had come to a time they had the pastoral search committee they had picked. They were in the process of trying to pick a new pastor to step in. And then now there was an uproar of people didn't want him to leave. Huh. And they were upset that he was trying to step back. And they were literally, we had a church meeting where they were trying to force Pastor Marv to stay on as pastor. Like, he doesn't get a say in it. He's going to be pastor. Um, and I remember this meeting just because I remember my wife getting up, and you know my wife, John. She's doesn't beat around the bush. If she has an emotion, she's going to make sure you know she has an emotion. Yes, she does. Um, and she challenged the people at the church about they claimed they loved him, but if they loved him so much, why wouldn't they let him retire so he can spend time with his family? He spent so many years serving. Give the man what he's asking for if you truly love him. Um, but this story came to mind because as you were talking, Pastor Marv, about the, the role of a pastor um, and, and all the hurts and all the, the different things that comes with it and the, and the power— you are one of the few people I can think of that I've ever encountered who sat there and said, I don't need to have this power. I'm willing to step back because it's what God's telling me to do. My time is done. It's time to move on. Um, and that just was an amazing, beautiful thing in my life to sit there and see that, to know here is somebody who doesn't have to say I'm moving on, but he's choosing to move on because it's sure. the right thing to do. Um, and so I say all that because I want you to share with people, like, like how were you able to do that? Because... I mean, that, that took a lot of, of, of guts and, and courage and conviction on your part to stand up and say, I know what you guys want. I've, I've, I've sat there with you. I've grieved with you. I've heard your stories. I know your heart. I know how much I love you and you love me. Um, and yet, even though I love you, I'm going to step away and not do the thing you're asking me to do. How, how were you able to do that? Well, of course, um, that decision was not an easy one to make. But I knew it was the decision the Lord wanted me to make. So even though I knew that it would involve leaving people I loved, I knew I had to do it and felt confident that this was what God wanted for me. So I guess I'm saying I had to first make the decision with the Lord before I made it with anyone else. So the decision had already been made even before that meeting. It was just a matter of walking through the, the process. I think that's the thing for me, Pastor Marv, that I'm getting from your story and from this, this conversation is one of the things you mentioned is almost like we, we put pastors on a pedestal like they're a celebrity. Um, they become the face, uh, if, you, if you take in a, a, a secular business world, they become the face of the franchise. Um, but in the situation, if God was telling you something completely different, and you said, okay, I'm going to follow God because his plan is greater for me. Um, and I think that's incredibly hard for pastors to pass up yeah. because um, it, it's if you live in a small town or you live in a small community, there's a lot of times pastors go to the restaurant place to place and they have members there and they get free food because... I just bought lunch for my pastor, right? <laughs> um, and things like that because of that celebrity status. And that is hard for anybody to pass up. And I really uh, applaud you in in your faith and following God in that situation because I, I know in, in, in my walk, in those situations where I've left places, it's been incredibly difficult because of I immediately, I immediately start self self-doubting what I was doing. Is it me? Am I trying to leave? Or is it God telling me to leave? And things like that. So that's amazing. You've done that. So what happened after your ministry after that? Did did you have more ministry? Did you just retire and hang out with the family? Or Because I want to know. I'm, <laughs> you got me like, I'm, I'm pulled in now. So, so. 
Well, of course, you never really retire. No. And no. Um, you can't leave a church and leave the people completely. So in the last 10 years, I have spent maybe 10 hours a week investing my life in several men from Second Baptist. I've That's spent cool. Cool. time counseling people, um, doing weddings and funerals and all those kinds of things. So really, in a real way, I've never really left. It's just that I'm not there. I continued the ministry um, of my home and out of my life. So, Pastor Marv, what would you give pastors who are are leaving churches? In and how how did you do that? Because I'm asking that question. Is because like a lot of times when, especially in the Bible Belt South where we live, um, a lot of pastors get very territorial. So, if mm -hmm. a, a former pastor or a past pastor comes in and says. Hey, I need you to stop doing this because you're you're affecting the flock, right? Um, in in the, there's a real territorial sense of you're just trying to come back in and take over. Yeah. How did you walk that line, especially for ten years? Because walking that line for a few months is different, but you've been doing it on and off for ten years, and that's that's amazing. Um, and, and that's something that is, to be honest, is blowing my mind. And by, by <laughs> Kamar's mustache is curling right now; it's blowing his mind as well. So well, no, I will say uh, before you answer Pastor Marvel, I will say it's, it really isn't too much because I was thinking and I don't know what you're going to say, but part of my answer for him is knowing him and just how real and authentic and for lack of a better word, non-threatening Pastor Marv is. Um, he, he's always been the guy for me that I can go to because he, he doesn't pull punches, mm -hmm. but you never feel like he's out to get you. Oh, cool. Like, like I just, honestly, I can't think of anybody else that I can think of so just universally that you never feel like Pastor Marv is out to get you, ever. You always know that he's coming from a place of love. That's good. Well, the biggest challenge, I think, um, in any situation where you're sort of the second fiddle, whether that be a former pastor or an associate pastor, an assistant pastor, is that people want to garner your support against the present pastor. And in every situation that I have been in, in kind of an assistant role through the years, because I've been doing this for 50 years, um, I've been very careful to try to support and help people understand uh, the man who is behind the pulpit. And I think the reason that these 10 years have worked so well is I have tried very hard not to um, um, take sides, uh, love and support people, but not love and support their... Um, biases if that makes sense no perfect sense yeah that is awesome kamar what you you got a thinking face on right well now. yeah because so, um because i'm i was trying to think about where else to to go with this so because he he was talking about you know how the original question is you know dealing yeah. with restoring pastors who have sinned um and and you'd mentioned pastor marv about the idea of the emotional walls pastors almost feel like they have to put up 
um, because of the secrets they hear, the, the, the pain they endure, the judgment. Um, and so there is this almost standoffishness of they have to be separate from everybody else emotionally um, to survive in the role. Um, and that has never been, I, I can't think of, of any, you are definitely not emotionally standoffish, at least in appearance. Um, I, I kid you not, John, I don't think I've ever seen Pastor Mark preach and not cry. Oh, really? <laughs> now, I have, a, I, have a, I have a question for you guys. Yeah, maybe um, once. Maybe the first time he did it, too, the first time you, the whole church, you could feel everybody like, like, why is this white guy up there crying? Because, um, like, again, it's a black church, right? It's yeah. traditionally black church. It's, but but it, soon we started realizing, kind of like, so in the black tradition, you got, you know, the, the pastors who they, they, they holler, they yell. Yeah. Um, that's not Pastor Mark. His is he cries. Sure. Um, and that's when you can, you, it, because he's just so authentic and real up there that he's not afraid to just share those emotions. And so for somebody like that, you're not going to feel like they're emotionally distant when they're up there crying, like all the time. And they're not, he's not, you know, crying like some wimpy cry. No, he's, he's a passionate man and he couldn't help but have the tears come forth because he's just thinking about the raw, true emotions. That's cool. Now I, I have a question for, in that sense is what you're saying though. Cause I, I, I have, um, I have seminary training, but mine was not in counseling. I know, Kamar, you're going to seminary training right now for mm -hmm. counseling. And, and Pastor Marv, you've been counseling for, for years. Is that healthy? Is it healthy for a pastor to build those walls and separate himself from the congregation? Because it feels healthy when you're doing it, but is it genuinely healthy? Well, I think the question you have to ask is, what do I need from these people? Okay. Okay. Um, frequently after someone has preached, they've turned to me and said, how did I do? I don't think that's the right question to ask. Um, basically, we are either led by the Spirit or we're led by ourselves. And my prayer is that God would use me in the way he wants to. First time I preached, I was 15 and a half. I had seven minutes to preach because it was Youth Sunday and I was sharing it with three other men. So we each had seven minutes. And um, my dad, who wasn't a Christian, came. And he was sitting in the back row, the furthest end, in the back of the church in the last row with dark glasses on. And I shared the gospel and I cried. And I went home that, that night and I said to the Lord, I don't want to cry like that. And it was as if the Lord said, either you have to do this or I have to do this. You have to decide. Mm -hmm. So my prayer always before any message is, God, you speak through me. Do what you want to do in me and through me and with me at that moment. And it will be okay with me. 
Yeah. See, and and like I said, see, Pastor Mark, you're making it hard on me because now people really are going to think that we're just talking to this guy too much. <laughs> but, but that, and, and I say it, and, and John, you've heard me say this plenty of times, that I would not be the, the person I am in ministry, let alone, you know this, Pastor Mark, and more than most other people. Maybe my wife is the only person who knows as much as you do, that I wouldn't be alive today, literally, if it wasn't for you and the counsel I've gotten from you over the years. Um but but there's been that that pouring in that I've received from somebody like him that says, look, preaching is only ever about am I doing it what the way God told me to do it. I don't care what you think of me. I don't care what you see. It's all about about serving and glorifying God in the pulpit. And, and I think as we get back to the, this question of you know pastors who sin, uh, so often the pastors they lose sight of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yes, we as congregation members we help them lose sight of it, but they lose sight of the call. And so then they, they fall into sin, whatever kind of sin it is, because they've lost sight of the, of the call. And then they sin, they mess up, maybe they repent, maybe they don't. I mean, because that is something, we haven't mentioned that yet, but we, we need to start there. We're not talking about restoring pastors who are unrepentant in their sin. Sure. Yeah. Um, we are talking about pastors who have fallen and recognize that falling and repent before the congregation and say, I'm sorry. Um, what I like so far, the counsel you've been giving us, Pastor Marv, is that, is that it's not just so much about forgiving them. Um, it really is having that honest conversation of how do we get here to begin with and how can we make it so that as we restore you, we also protect you. Yeah, no, and I think, I think that is, that is so key in that sense of what was going on there is we really need to focus down in, in if a pastor's in sin in that situation based on whatever's happening in the church, then that's that the church is at fault too. It's not just mm-hmm. a pastor who's falling because we have to hold him accountable, but we also have to walk with him. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so back to you, you're, you're sharing. Cause like, I mean, I, I kind of pulled it out there about how your preaching style with crying, but I mean, so from the very beginning, that has been your, your approach to preaching. And so getting back to the, your question, you're saying how a pastor has to ask themselves, what are they trying? What are they, what are they there to get? Um, you're right. So many pastors, they think it's about m- money or numbers or ha- people thinking they did preach a good sermon. Um, so what should a pastor be looking to get from the congregation? Well, the purpose of preaching is to plant God's word in the hearts of his people and have them make a commitment to surrender their lives to him in in any particular area that the focus is on so what we really i think what we really want is we want a hunger for god's word we want a sensitivity to god's word we want a people who are able to receive god's word with gladness in their heart and want to be like Christ. So in a sentence that they would be conformed to the image of his dear son, that's what we want. That's really good. That's really good. Um, um, I think that's, I think that that's, that's that's the part of the call that it's lost a lot. lot. I think the issue that may be lost a lot is because, because, uh, uh, church people, church people, people, yeah, we, yeah. Uh, we uh, I, I can honestly I, say I in, in 20, 20, 22 years of ministry now that I've been doing it, it's, I've been hurt more I've by hurt people more in by the church people than outside the church. Outside the church. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is something that, that, is, something that is easy for pastors easy to for lose pastors just because, just because they're hurt they're from hurt hurting people. Hurting so, people. so we, we kind of, in, in our, in our, our mentality, our mentality and what we think is, we want to not, we wanna not be, near be near or we want to not focus on helping those who hurt us. We want to, it's that, that a flight or fight response, right? We want to make sure that we are doing what we can do to, to move away from those that are hurting us. So if our congregation is ones that are hurting us, then we're not going to open up. We're not going to do what we need to do to be a part of the congregation because they keep hurting us. Yeah. And I think that's when that call is lost of of making changes in people's lives and things like that. And that's what what I've loved so much about about, um, getting to know Kamar and now Pastor Marvin. This is your guys' mindset of the way you guys think. You guys are wired differently in California, apparently. So... Listen, I, Listen, I'm, I'm I, wired like I'm I am because like um, um, all of the afternoons I got to spend at Mimi's Cafe with Pastor Marv. Like, that, was our, <laughs> that was our spot. And I'll tell you, too, so I'll pay it forward a little bit, Pastor Marv, because it was years after we started doing that that you shared one time in a sermon about how somebody had done that with you, which I had never known. But when he was younger, somebody took him under their wing and would just go and meet and talk. And so years later, he's doing that with me. Like, I kid you not, this really is what saved me saved completely me completely and he would just and go would just and it wasn't go. talking about jesus. jesus i remember one of the I things that, i don't remember all of them but i remember one time i remember talking i was in town from, from college because i went away to, to texas, texas for, for, undergrad. for undergrad and he was like well what do you do and at this time like in retrospect i now realize this because i was so severely depressed i didn't know that i didn't know that time but i literally would spend all of my free time just playing solitaire on my computer on my computer and that was all i would do all i would do and i was sitting there sharing with him how well i play solitaire and i play for a couple of hands and I don't want to lose and I just keep playing and that was it was a very boring conversation in retrospect but he was sitting there and he was listening and he really seemed to care about me and my boring story of sitting in the middle of nowhere in Texas playing solitaire all day long every day because he knew that I mattered I mattered I didn't realize I mattered I didn't feel like it but he knew that I mattered and I think that that's one of those things that oftentimes with these pastors they lose sight of that they think that it's about the numbers they think about any number of things other than themselves. Other than themselves. Sure. And part of the calling, and part of the calling is that part of the calling is saying it's not about me, it's about Christ. Christ. Yes. But we are but still, we people, are still too. people too. And pastors and also need a savior. Pastors are also loved by Christ. Loved by Christ. And sometimes and I think we forget, I think we that, forget we are loved that we are loved as well. As well. And so we and take so out we that feeling of just unworthiness on the congregation. Now I think that the diner story you shared, but I think living life together is what makes the Christian walk work work to be honest with you yeah. it, it, I, to me in my head it, it's my never head, worked it's for me when i've done it by myself i always myself. find myself in depression or, depression or alone or angry or whatever, or whatever. But, when but when i'm living life and walking life side by side with other christians other believers is when i really feel like really it's, feel it's like moving it's forward it's it's working um and i think i think you nailed it you guys would you guys would meet at mimi's cafe yep is that still a place still a place it's it's on its way out though ah okay if, if you're out that way out west, go to Mimi's, support them. They're awesome. So, but <laughs> it, but with those, those conversations, as you even said, you guys weren't always talking about Jesus. No. You were just there living life together. And I think that's so much that is we, especially in our community where we are, um, we talk about accountability mm-hmm. and accountability. That's another form of accountability that you're doing is because you're, you're being accountable because you're living life with them. You're not, you're not just trying to say, okay, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this wrong. You're literally living life together. And I think that's the, the part of the accountability we miss is 
so much it especially uh, now i i've never been to church in california i traveled through california <laughs> one time and uh, i loved it it was beautiful but i've never been to church there but in the churches i've been in in ohio and in kentucky accountability here means we're going to sit down with you for an hour and we're going to call you out on everything you're doing wrong and you're going to come back next week and we're going to do it again but the issue is is we had these groups where we'd have seven or eight guys get together for account- accountability groups and we would literally just beat up on each other and then come back next week like Oliver Twist saying, sir, may I please have some more kind of thing, right? Yeah. And that's, and but that's not what I found was helping me in my walk. What was helping me in my walk is those, living those moments day to day with my, my, my brothers in Christ. Yeah. Um, the jokes, the laughter, the fun, the, the sadness, the crying. Yeah. Um, do you guys think that's a, a real thing or do you guys think it's more of a sense of um, we've got it a little backwards in where we're taking life as Christians. Cause we talk about living life together as Christians, but living life right now in America is we meet together on Sunday mornings and that's life together. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm not sure what you're asking. Well, so he, what he's, he's getting at is, I, I guess, how, what would you, what do you think accountability should look like? Because like you said, it, it, the yeah. way it is right now is more like, sit down, let me tell you what's wrong with you. Sorry, um, I used but a that's, too many words. But I that's not the Kamar way. Level words there. <laughs> but that's not the way accountability worked with you and I. Um, with you and I, it was it was sit down. I'm going to buy you a muffin um, at, at Mimi's Cafe and just tell me what's going on, talking about your life. And that was accountability with you. Um, and so what John's saying is like, what what do you think is the is the way accountability should look in the church? First of all, you have to enjoy the person you're with. If you don't enjoy him or her, your ministry is pretty limited. Your impact is limited. Um, I think of a time, it was in the 70s. uh, I was called to go to a church in Northern California. And it was like an experiment for the denomination they were deciding when a when you have a church plant do you invest in the building or do you invest in the staff so they were investing in me as an associate so i was the staff and i was an experiment so every monday morning i'd sit down with the pastor and he would have 20 questions for me now at the time we had um two children under the age of two um, didn't have an extra dollar in our pocket. And so every Monday it was the same thing. What about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? But the clincher was at the end was he said, and who from the church have you invited over for dinner this week? Um, to be micromanaged that way, I only lasted 18 months. And at the end of 18 months, I called the pastor of the church that I had left 18 months prior and said, I'd like to come back. And he said, we would love to have you. That was the only time in my life that I ever felt suicidal. I just could not do enough for the pastor. Um, And 
the kicker, and I had been there for like three weeks, the pastoral search committee asked me how things were going. And, and I thought, well, if I'm ever going to be honest, I got to start doing it now. So I told them what it was like to work for this person. And their response was, we wondered how long it would take you to find out. Ouch. Oh, wow. wow. So for me, accountability isn't a list that you go. It's when the life of Christ in you flows in the life of someone else. I like that. I, I like that a lot. Pastor Mar- I, I will say this so that I don't want you to think that I'm belittling it at all, what you just shared. Um, we have this running joke in the podcast. We say that's that's our T-shirt for the episode. I think that's our T-shirt for the episode, John. Yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> um, because that's a that's something that, that really um, could change a lot of churches and change a lot of lives. Um, and I will say, too, as you're talking about with uh, your wife and how many kids you had at the time, that that's a question I had. Because oftentimes we, we as pastors, and you think about us and our sinning and our falling and accountability, um, our wives are thoroughly abused in the ministry. They're very abused. Um, Way w- too much. What, what, what counsel would you give about that, about, about you know, the wives of pastors? Um, because, like I said, I, I, I know my wife, has, she has suffered. I mean, we've not been pastoring for that many years, nowhere near as long as, as you, Pastor Marvel, you, John. Um, we're coming up on, what, four or five years now in yeah, ministry. Five years. Um, Five years of the church I'm at. Yeah. Well, I'm saying with, with my wife and I, oh, you yeah. guys have been 20 years in ministry. Uh, Chris and I have been doing it 18 years together. Yeah. And so Laura and I, we've been we're coming up on like, I think, four and a half, five years of ministry that we've been doing this of, of pastoral. But the amount of, of just damage that she has taken, um, oftentimes worse than me. Um, what advice do you have, Pastor Mar, for, for the wives of pastors and how pastors can better love, protect, provide for their wives? Um, because that is really a large part of the equation, too. Well, when Pat came to Second Baptist, um, she found herself teaching the preschoolers. And I think part of the protection that she had was that she was re- she realized that's what God had called her to do. And every time I asked her to teach the women or do something like that, she'd always say no. <laughs> because she knew this was what God had asked her to do, and she was going to do it. When we came back again to be the interim pastor, her her focus was just simply to smile and to listen. And that's what she did for 18 months. That's awesome. Smiled and listened. So I think the pastor has to provide by setting up the boundaries of what her service is going to look like in that place. Yeah, I have, I have not been the best at setting those boundaries for my wife. Um, in the past, um, I've let her be abused too often. Uh, that's something that I've mm-hmm. been working with for her the last few years now, but it's been, uh, I agree with you and I, I absolutely love that your wife was willing to tell you no, because that is something that my mm-hmm. wife is amazing She's brilliant. She's very talented. But when I ask her to do something, she's very quick to say yes because she wants to support me. Um, but I love that your wife was uh, able to say no. And I see the same thing in Laura yeah. uh, for Kamar. Laura was very quick to say, no, I'm not doing that. She's great. She has the ministry of saying no to Kamar. 
<laughs> but I, but I wanted, but I did want to offer because you're right, John, and I've seen this as your friend and, yeah. and as your brother in Christ. So, Pastor Marv, do you have any advice that you could give to John? Because I will say that for those of you who don't know, I know John that you you do still struggle and wrestle with this sense of I didn't protect my wife like sure. I should have. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, so again, back to the question of restoring a pastor's sin. Technically, we're saying, okay, John, you're now confessing, repenting of a sin that you committed as a pastor. Yes, you did not protect your wife as you should have as as her husband. Uh, Pastor Marv, what ad- what advice, what counsel would you give to to John in this situation as he's seeking to be restored within his marriage? And for the record, Crystal and John are not at any risk of divorce or anything like yeah, that. We're, that's, we're really happy. Yeah, that's not what I'm saying, but it is a good way you can model this and walk this out. You're confessing a sin as a pastor. Mm-hmm. We're talking about restoring. P- pastor Marv, what advice would you give as John tries to walk in newness of life in his marriage with his wife? Well, I would first of all ask John, why do you think he didn't? He wasn't able to do that. Uh, for me, the reason I couldn't do it was I, um, uh, the leadership style of the, the pastor I was under at the time was more of a, um, more of a, um, secular business leadership model. And I, he was more of a, he, he could get yelly is the best way to put it, I guess. And in that sense for, for me, I've had those bosses and other side jobs and things like that. I've worked at for industry. I've worked in the tech field. Um, so I've had a lot of managers who will scream and yell and slam a door. And then I just go about my business. Uh, so I compartmentalized what I was going through is just, I've seen this before. I'm just going to keep doing my job. Um, he'll cool off, she'll cool off. And then, uh, everything will just go back to normal. Well, the part where I say I sinned and I, I've talked, talked to my wife about this, um, in the past is uh, she's never experienced that kind of manager. So in her sense, it was the pastor of the church we're attending and work at yelling at her for not doing something the way he wants it. And then her husband not standing up for her as she's getting yelled at. Um, And she took that as I was taking her side, which or not taking her side. I was taking his side and things like that. It got complicated, but, um, I compartmentalize based on my experience in the business world and not in a ministry world. And that's why I, I, I failed. So I guess I'm, it's almost like you're saying because it was, was ministry you put up with it. No, I, I to be honest, I think it, I, I actually, not because I put up with it because it was ministry, I actually put up with it because I'd experienced that in the the business world, and my brain just flipped that switch I have with being like in a cubicle office space of a manager who comes in and yells for us to work harder, and then goes to his office and plays solitaire on his computer or whatever they do behind the door. But, so I went back to that secular business mindset of, they're just coming in, they're yelling at me to work harder, and then when we're leaving, I'm just going to keep doing my job. Um, so I, I wouldn't say actually the reason I failed is honestly because I didn't see it in those moments where that was happening as ministry. I saw it more as a job. Okay. You know, I've gotten a lot of help from uh, the story of Mephibosheth in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Jonathan's son, who's lame in both feet, and how that David came and loved him and restored him and basically 
the it, you know it's second samuel chapter 9 basically david answers um questions and there's three do i belong am i worthy do i have mastery and answering those three questions and looking at our lives has kind of uh, unfolded for me a lot of awareness and insight because you know our behavior has a function we're trying to get something out of other people we're trying to get something out of our elders and deacons we're trying to get something out of our congregation so in order to i think um serve the lord without guile we have to understand what's what are are we trying to answer about ourselves what's the question that we have about ourselves and i find that it's in one of those three areas belonging worthiness and mastery that's good and when kamar said that mentioned earlier today that um he never felt like I wasn't on his side. Part of that was that he belonged. That is very good. So thank you. I, I really, um, I, I don't know. I don't know where to go from that, Kamar. <laughs> I'm telling you, he's, he's awesome stuff. So, <laughs> because, so, and, and you're right, um, Pastor Mark. So um, I'll, I'll share a little bit because, and you've seen this now, John. Now I think you're starting because we, we, John and I, we talk so much. I mean, we talk way too much sometimes. Our wives I, are getting irritated with this. I mean, yeah. But, but one of the things I think, one of, I wouldn't say a frustration, but just a, a curious thing about me to you is like, why are you approaching people this way? Sure. Why are you being this way with them or rationalizing that? And I think you're starting to see part of it has to do with the fact that somebody like Pastor Marv has poured yeah. into me. No, I see that 100%. And, and seeing, the results of what he's done in my life and how he's walked out his faith um, just day in, day out faithfully. I've, I've really said, you know what, if I can be like any one person in ministry, yes, it's be like Christ. Okay, I get that. But if it's going to be like someone I've actually seen face to face, it'd be as much like Pastor Marv as possible because he really does like authentically care um, and, and take the time to think these things through and feel them. Um, because I will say that my own experience as a pastor and my experience as a person in the congregation um, is quite often the humanity of pastors gets lost. Um, uh, the, the pastor now at the church that, that where Pastor Marv was at and where I grew up in, um, I remember when he first got there, the, the, new, the new pastor there, um, uh, Pastor Pitts, uh, and I'm sure he won't mind me saying his name. Um, I remember when he first got there, we had a small group Bible study, my wife and I and some other couples in the church, and he approached us about joining our small group. And this is one of my mistakes. I've actually reached out to him since then, and I've, and I've apologized. I repented of this to him. He wanted to join our small group as a new pastor in the church, and I said no. And, and I said it for all kinds of dumb, horrible, selfish reasons. Um, but I, I've reached out to him now, and I've apologized because I realized that what I did was I denied him his humanity as a pastor. Sure. Um, and, and here he was being a human being with me. And my own set of fears and everything else I brought to the table of what it means to have the pastor of all people in your small group robbed him of his humanity. Mm. Um, and the great thing about him is that he's an amazing man of God. He is still faithful. He, is, he has gone through all kinds of horrible things this last year alone. Um, not from the church, just living as a pastor sometimes is rough. Sure, yeah. Um, 
And I can say, though, he has endured because he is, he is a true, faithful man of God. He really is. Um, but I had to repent of that because, I, again, I robbed him of his humanity as a pastor. And so many pastors, that is what it means to be a pastor, is that your congregation, when we talk about when you drop those walls, the emotional walls, and you say, I'm going to act like I'm a human being with them, they deny you your humanity. And now you're hurt. And now you're stuck with this, this quandary of, well, do I go back to just being the non, non-feeling, non-human entity that preaches at them? Or do I open up these doors again? Um, and it's, it's hard to do. It really is. Um, I, I applaud uh, Pitts because he, never, he didn't give up on SBC. He didn't give up on me. He didn't give up on anybody. Sure. And he is still there faithful in ministry. Um, but how many times have we all done that or had that done as pastors of, you don't get to be human, you're the pastor? Mm. I think so often that's, that's the thing is, as a failing as the body of Christ is we don't allow pastors to be human. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, Pastor Marv, we really do appreciate you joining us today. It has been a blast. Um, I loved getting to know you more. I hope we get to talk more in the future. I truly see, uh, I see Jesus in your voice. I haven't seen you face to face, but I see Jesus in your voice and what you're saying. And I love that. Uh, as you've talked, you not only just pulled from your experience, but you also pulled from scripture. And I think that is key in, in knowing a true man of God is when, when they speak, they just don't pull from themselves or their experience. They're pulling from, from, from scripture. So thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I am truly blessed and honored to, to call you our, our first guest from outside of our, our walls. <laughs> And uh, it's been a blessing to get to know you. Yeah, I, I have a, a Thank favor. You, uh, could you, would you do us a favor, please? Would you close us in prayer? Um, we don't do that every often, no, not perfect. that often on these podcasts. But I mean, I, I I would love it if you'd be willing to just pray over the podcast, pray over anybody else who hears this for us as we close out. Father God, we're grateful that you are close to the brokenhearted, and all of us have been brokenhearted at one time or the other. I pray right now that you would soothe the the troubled brows of people who are struggling, who are hurting and they don't know why. I pray that you'd give them insight and understanding, but also that they might know that they're not alone and that your closeness and your compassion would nurture them. For Jesus' sake, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you again. And hey, I know that we're into the podcast, but don't go away, Pastor Marv, so we can keep talking to you a little bit before you leave. (laughs) Sounds great. So thank you guys ever for joining us today. Thank you for being a part of our podcast. We can't wait to hear you see and listen to you guys next week. If you have any questions or comments, join us on Facebook, but also uh, we are blessed to be out there with you guys day to day. So if you need something, let us know. We would love to just walk with you in Christ. Yes. Bye guys. Bye.